Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey, everyone. Thank you for uh, joining us here, Starving for Attention. This is a podcast uh, that you know already because we're like 40 episodes in or something. accessed it through (laughs) Apple Podcasts. Through a podcast. Hopefully, you're subscribing, right? So that's kind of the key. It actually helps you. It makes it so easy. It does. And then it just pops up and then you know that, oh, wow, Curtis Stone is on Starving for Attention today. Uh, Jasmine, very exciting uh, for a number of reasons. One, the golden voice, the golden Australian voice. Silky smooth. Yeah. Good looking guy. Yeah. Great chef. Yeah. The whole, the he's total package. It. He's got it all. He does. He does. <laughs> and then there's me. Aww. Um, but I'm excited. We've been chasing Curtis down. Uh, he's all over the television. Everyone yeah, he's knows. On, uh, Top Chef Juniors is Juniors. his most recent foray, right? Coming out yeah. with a second season. I think that's going to be a long, successful run of I that think show. I so too. I mean, obviously, the, the whole kid thing is pretty, pretty hot. You the know. kid thing's hot, but I also think that, you know, Top Chef Juniors did a really good job. You know, we covered it here on the podcast where they did, they went and found like kids that are like hardcore yeah, serious that chefs. Cook. Right. That and, like, um, right. And I'm nervous now because Riley and I are going to go cook right. on a show. I know. Riley, our nine year old daughter, who, I mean, Whew. I don't want to be, you know, she doesn't cook per se like she'll toast things from time to time she did make a nice uh like family meal salad yesterday yeah well so well this delicious we're now in in boot training we're now in richard blaze training mode only because like you know as her mom like i don't want her to cut her finger off i don't want her to like you know hurt herself or or feel completely unprepared for the experience right so we're training so uh what that means is going through a market yesterday yeah so we we planned a family meal of what we were going to make and then we went into a, a, a market stuffed and, cabbages polish style <laughs> just so, for everyone out so there so midwest and then it's, um it is it's yeah, great fair, yeah fair, yeah, fair, fair absolutely enough. and um we set Very a timer chicago Chicago. We set a timer for ten minutes. For ten minutes, which and was, a large which grocery was ample store. time. We should ample probably time, be clear but, with her. But listen, no, real quick though, does ten minutes sound like a long time? It doesn't. No, it's it not doesn't. a long time. But I'm saying it'll be even shorter, probably right. for. You, know, you want to um, in uh, the show that we're competing, which I can't really reveal it just yet. It's about a thirty minute cook time, and you really want to do the shop part of it around five minutes or six right. minutes. Right. So you can yeah. save yourself some time to cook. We could have cut five minutes off of but, there. We did a little dancing around. But she's but anyways, nine. She's nine. Yeah. We don't really unleash her in but a supermarket usually. It was adorable. <laughs> it was adorable. It was adorable. I mean, the shopping itself was adorable. I took Embry, our six-year-old, yeah. uh, on the other half of the uh, trip because you never yeah. know where we might end up cooking together as well. Good luck to you. Um, yes, because she's intense. She's intense, yeah. But we got done. They were so happy that we got done. And yep. then we went home. And like we cook at home as yeah. a family, but rarely do we sort of approach it as like a team sport. Yeah. And this yesterday was one of the first times we've done that. This was very different. I was happy for our family. It was good. I was very happy. It and was it really also nice. made it 
easier to cook at home. It made it easier, kind of, except for the one part where both our kids were cutting things with knives, and I was like, oh my gosh. Yes, they were uh, like ceramic, like not like the sharp. No, Riley you know, had a real one. Oh, Riley had a real Riley knife. had a real one, and Embry had the like. You got to learn. Listen, but yeah. it's you got to tuck no. those fingers in. But I really love yeah. that we sort of got out there and did it. And uh, I said yesterday, I don't tell our kids this, but I said okay. it was like the best mediocre meal like ever. Like oh, because yeah. well, the food was okay. No, but I mean from our yeah. my performance, yeah. to your performance, like we didn't like. I didn't do much as usual. I was uh, the can opener, uh, floor sweeper. That's so not fair. <laughs> like I think you guided the menu. It's, I mean, it's possible I did that. Um, yeah, yes, you were like, we have peppers in the fridge. Let's do some stuffed peppers. And I then I was like, big, how about some cabbage? Peppers, yeah. And we did both, actually. But it was a lot of fun. That's going to be exciting. Curtis Stone is hosting Top Chef Juniors. Uh, we got a lot of fun questions to ask him. Do you remember when Riley called you out for not buying organic food? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that was the one part. That we'll I to, got a little hot we'll about. To, you did. You, yeah. got, you got mad. Because but, I bought some non-organic buy, celery, it but it was like, locally grown. Okay. Which well, is like, it's a, nice. whole, it's a whole there's separate a, conversation. There's an argument, yeah, that, that that can sometimes be even more beneficial, depending on what it is. Um, so. But she was right, and then she was like, she whispered to you, she's like, Dad didn't buy organic you know, celery. She, and then yeah. I got real upset about it. Well, because, you know, I saw it. It's a, it's I saw it when you put all this topic. Stuff, but, you know, I, as an adult, had the filter to be able to say, you know, I'm not going to blast what you what you put because um, well, we're doing this family thing and we're trying to, you know, do a, do a nice uh, experience. So I didn't say anything. Right. I didn't feed Riley that, but she just knows but that you generally have... we, we try to buy organic sure. as, you know, we can and, you know. And you try to, now now I'm going to be running around on a television show with her and she's going to be like, Dad, yeah. you didn't get organic onions. You'll have to talk to her about but that. We'll figure it out. It'll make for good TV. I'm total California um, kid. Hey, Jasmine, in food, you know the source indicates quality. It evokes craftsmanship and traditional old world values. The source reinforces the connection we have to each other and to the world. S. Pellegrino, bottled at the source in Bergamo, Italy since 1899, is a premium mineral water that's naturally filtered by the Italian Alps. That's pretty special. During this 30-year underground journey, minerals are absorbed as the water flows through geological formations to its source, creating a unique and refreshing taste. That's why it's so delicious, Jasmine. Um, As chefs, we're meticulous about the ingredients we select for our menus we insist on knowing the sources our food comes from and support farmers and suppliers who share our values those that we know and trust water believe it or not it's a crucial ingredient in any food and beverage experience it often opens and closes the meal which is incredibly true and it can leave a lasting impression in all of my restaurants i proudly serve s pellegrino not only because of the taste and how it enhances the flavors of the food i serve but because of the brand's relentless support of the culinary community facilitating mentoring opportunities and supporting the livelihood of the culinary arts. S. Pellegrino is a brand I trust directly from the source. I enjoy it at my dinner table each and every night. We enjoy it also here in studio for the podcast. As you gather around the table with family and friends, I encourage you to enhance your own meals by choosing S. Pellegrino. To find S. Pellegrino in your area and for some additional culinary inspiration, visit sanpellegrino.com. So a perfect segue, cooking with kids yeah. to uh, the host of Top Chef Juniors, amongst other things. Uh, and he's an incredible chef at Maud and Gwen here in L.A. Uh, he's coming into the room right now, Curtis Stone. <laughs> Curtis Stone. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. Look at, the, you have, look at that. The <laughs> golden good. voice yeah. is <laughs> finally on, starving for attention. We've been, we've been running after you for at least a couple months. I'm sorry. And it's, the crazy thing is I'm just down the street from you. But right. um, yeah, like our schedules, you know what it's like. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, don't be sorry. Are you kidding me? For, first of all, you're incredibly talented and famous. And like, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even expect for you to be sitting in the chair at all. So thank you for letting us run after you for the last couple months. Where, it's a pleasure. Where, where are you coming from uh, today? Uh, I've been up at Gwen. Um, yeah. Restaurant in Hollywood. Sure. And I'm on my way to Maud in, uh, in Beverly Hills. Okay. So it's a so, perfect, perfect stop-off point. Nice. So now yeah. this is interesting to me because like yeah, 
you're like, you know, you have these great restaurants in LA and you're like this amazing television personality. And like the, that, that day right there, you're saying, hey, I'm going from one restaurant to the next. That's like, you know, chef's life. Yep. But then tomorrow you could be in a, in a suit on a set somewhere and that day is totally different. Right. How do you, how do you, how do you go? F- I'm, I'm just curious because I do it, but not on the level you're at. But like what, how do you keep that mindset from going from like restaurant chef to like you know, television chef, personality, celebrity? You know, I think, um, I think chefs in general have to be good multitaskers, right? Like if you think about it, you've always got six different jobs happening at once. You've got something in the oven. You've got something that you're in the middle of slicing. You've got to get back over to the stove where you've got some seeds that are toasting. You know, you've constantly got a few different things working. Right. Um, so, you you know, and, and so, so you, have to, you have to be good at that, you know, to be a good cook. And I think it's a good skill to have, you know. So when what you're talking about is exactly what it is. It's multitasking, right? So right. take one hat off and you've got to put another hat on. And the same thing when you when you run a restaurant, you have to – one minute you're in a disciplinary hearing. You, you're the human resource manager. And then right. the next minute you're like the creative genius who's trying to come up with something special. And then the next minute you're the, the tough guy who's got to like – you know, pick up heavy shit all day and and, and grunt and you <laughs> right. know. So it's you, you have to, you have to wear many hats anyway. You know. So to me, it's sort of an extension of that. It's it's more extreme, of course. And right. I don't know. I sort of think whenever you do, whenever I do TV or even sitting here ch- chatting to you, you know, it's a pleasure. It's I, I really enjoy it because it's sort of it's so different to what we're used used to doing. It's like you get a little vacation. It's nice. Right now, when you were um, you know uh, honing your craft, right as a chef. Did you think yeah. that this was going to – like television was going to be like a thing? No. No. I mean it wasn't really a thing when we started or when I started. I'm right. bloody old. I'm 42. You know, it was sort of – it was before – well, I mean we didn't even have the Food Network in Australia. We still don't. But Or they do now actually. Um, but anyway, there was no sort of TV chefs. There was no Jamie Oliver. None of those guys that right. sort of started. So it wasn't even really a consideration. And then I guess when it, when it happened, when there was a bit of TV around, you sort of saw it. I, I don't know. I was sort of – I worked in really good restaurants, you know, so it, it, that the attitude in that sort of high-end fine dining was, well, that's not even great food anyway, you know, like right, those guys right, on TV right. aren't great but, chefs. Uh, but you were for uh, Marco, yeah, right? Yeah. And like, you know, he, yeah, Marco at the time probably wasn't a TV chef, but he's a... He's a cel- he's a celebrity. He's a personality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was infamous. If you think about sure. it, like, he was famous for telling the TV people to stick it up their jumper. He was right. like, "No, I don't want to." You know, he like would tell them to go away. Right. Um, but and now he does it. Actually, he's he's on all sorts of TV shows. So right. It's sort of, it's a funny arc to to watch unfold. But um, yeah, I th- I think um, it's interesting, right? Like, what's happened to our business is phenomenally. Like, it's a huge change. Right. I can't think of many other industries that that has happened to, that you've gone from being – it's just one thing, right? It was just cooking. We were hidden right. in the back. We There was never only open kitchens. We've talked about that a lot of where a lot of people get into cooking because they don't kind of have anything else, right? Or, or, or they get into it to, to, to keep them from trouble. Or, you know, it wasn't really a career for a long time that people would be uh, glorified. Right. No, you were. I mean, I I just said to our last guest, uh, you know, like you were a cook because, like for me, because there wasn't anything else that I was doing well, or there was nothing else that I was like aspiring to be, and Mm. I was just sort of killing time in the kitchen. And then I realized, oh, I really like it here, and I could be here for eighteen hours a day. Yeah. And oh wow, we're feeding people and making people happy, and I'm kind of good at this. Uh, Was your how how did you get to like you knew you were going to be a chef from what age? From when I was young. Okay. Yeah, I've I've always been really greedy. 
and I've always eaten way more than I should. Nice. <laughs> like I can remember as a five or six year old, I'd have a party. You know, my birthday party. Yes. And I'd end up in bed with a stomach ache because I'd just like, I'd just go crazy on the food. <laughs> nice. And I'm still a bit the same, you know, like if I didn't work 17 hours a day, I'd be really fat. Yeah. Right. I'd just, and I'm not sure how I'm going to cope with that later when I do slow down, but um, I'm going to have to figure it out. Yeah. Like, I, no, I really love that though. Like, so yeah. like you cook because you, you like eating. Yeah. You play music because you like the way it's out, right? right? You like music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, I don't know if you agree, but whenever you find somebody, that loves something, then they're really good at it. You know, like if you, it's very rare to find that the guy on the fish section has a fish allergy, you know, like true, it, true. It, yeah. it's normally like he normally eats light and he eats delicate food and he likes that refinement. And then the guy on sauce likes reductions and likes pork belly. And right. he li- you know, like you generally, and the guy in the grills just filled with tattoos. Yep, yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. Right. He likes the fire and the sweat and that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So it, it's a pat. I mean, we're, we're talking about is basically passion. Yeah. Have you, uh, do you have that same passion for the television stuff? Um, look, I've come and gone with TV. I've right. gone through moments where I've loved it. Right. And I've gone through moments where I've despised it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Like I would never have I would never have said that. I would have said that, oh, he, he, he loves it because you're, you know, you're all over the place. Yep. It's hard to not see you on a television set. Uh, but you have had moments with all of your success that you're like, ah. Yeah. Is that what drove you to Maude and Gwen? It is. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I sort of it was a conscious decision that I sort of, I you know you, I cooked every day in a commercial kitchen since I was seventeen years old, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I was just on sets, right? You know, like I was mm-hmm. just doing television or just talking to an editor or just you know, yeah, still cooking, like still developing recipes, but it's a different sport, you know, like sure. it's it's a totally different muscle, and um, I missed it. I missed the, the the stuff that you miss or that I missed. It's hard to like describe it with any intelligence and have someone believe you but right you know like i really loved opening up my scallops in the morning and in europe we'd get scallops in the shell and we'd you know i'd open 150 scallops in the morning and i could do it faster than anyone else and i was really good at it and i like prided myself on it you know right and you know that little banter that you have with the guys in the kitchen and there's it's sort of um, yeah, there's a camar- the camaraderie there's yeah, a family aspect yeah, of it there is and i really miss that and it's like it's all those little intangible things that um because I didn't miss the creativity. In some ways, you get to be more creative when you're not working in a restaurant because you can. You've got time. You know, like the, the, you asked me about what you, what your day's like. I got up this morning at seven o'clock and went and made you know meatballs for the week. So right. I'm, I, I made thirty five pounds of meatballs. It takes a minute to to roll them. Yeah, you know what sure. I mean? And then lunch service starts, and um, you're away. So it's sort of. You know, it's hard to get that blue sky time where you're just sort of dreaming or wandering through a farmer's market or looking at other people's recipes or dining out, you know, wherever you get your inspiration from. So in some ways, I found that easier when I wasn't in the the restaurant. Right. That's true. I mean, so when you, you know, got back into, not that you ever left, but when you opened up the LA restaurants, um, did you feel even if it was internally that you sort of had to now sort of like reprove Oh yeah, because I always love this about like great television chefs like yourself, who like I know, and people who are in the know know that like you're a real chef. But the average person, or even a young cook who doesn't know your background, is just like, oh, the guy from TV, right? And then you have to prove to them, like, what was that challenge like? It was kind of fun. I enjoyed it. You know, like (laughs) it's sort of you know, I 
when you, uh, I mean, I did all my cooking in Europe too. I left Australia when I was 22, so I haven't even done a lot of professional cooking back there. Right. Restaurant stuff, you know, so I did it all in Europe and then I moved here. So I'd never cooked in a restaurant in America. So I get why people would be like, He's, yeah, people used to stop me and say, are you actually a chef? Right. You know, because like, they'd watch yeah. Take Home Chef and I found oh. it, I, you could get offended by it, right? Sure. Yeah, what, yeah. what was your response? No, I thought it was, I thought it was funny. I thought it was cute. It didn't bother <laughs> right. me. But, um, then you read some things that sort of get under your skin a little bit, and they're like, oh, he's just a pretty boy. He's not a chef, or he's never he's never earned his chops or whatever. So I think that part of it I was excited about. And then you go through that little bit of anxiety, too, when you sort of you sign the lease and you start building out the place, and you think, shit, am I going to be able to do it? You right, know, like, right. Have, have I still got it, you know? Um, and also the risks. I mean, just to be clear, yeah. I mean, one of the, uh, the joys of the television is that the risks aren't quite as... Right. Big is the restaurant, yeah. right? I mean, it didn't cost you two and a half million bucks. Right, right. right. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. It's a, it's a much bigger uh, bigger gamble. I mean, the restaurant business in general is such a big gamble, isn't it? Yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, and then when you got into it then and, um, you know, the restaurant's getting ready to open and you, you said you have that sort of like little little doubt. How, yeah. quick, how quick did you realize like, no, I got, I got it. I, no, I loved I, it. I, I still got it. You know, it was funny. The first day, I'll never forget that first day because it was a brutal opening day. You know, it was sort of you get in there as early. You can't sleep because you're so excited anyway. So, we, sure. I mean, I got in the kitchen at 6.30 in the morning or something silly and we worked our asses off and we had a great service and then we cleaned down and you know cleaned the kitchen spotless and it was one of those you know finish at one thirty in the morning or 2 o'clock in the morning mm. and I had this intense you know sense of achievement from it and then all of a sudden I thought to myself should I've got to come back and do this again tomorrow? Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> you get into that model of like doing dinners and hosting things, but they're just a one-day gig or you know, sure. like, right. yeah. or a TV show or whatever. But right. then I was like, God, I've got myself into something serious. <laughs> um, the, the grind of it, right, yeah. is, is, is never ending. Yeah. Um, so when you were staffing that restaurant, then did you? I mean, how was the like sort of how was the casting call? Sorry to use that word for uh, the chefs in your restaurant. These are people that you were working doing events with already, or did you just do an open open call for talent? Uh, we we placed ads right. like everyone. Now I called some old friends that I used to work with, um, and you know I sort of put the you know spread the word a little bit amongst chefs I knew that sort of if anyone's looking or you know I usually call people from over overseas and back in Australia or in England and sort of said if anyone's looking to move to LA, give tell them to give me a ring. And um, yes. we were a bit of a uh, mixture actually. I think we only had one guy from LA in the kitchen when we started. Right. Um, and that, you know, not by choice, it's just sort of the way it sort of worked out, you know. I had a couple of guys from London that came over that I used to work with. So uh, it was cool. It was it was fun. You know, I remember that first day we sat in, the, in a uh, – it was still a building site at that time and you sort of sit in a circle and we're like, all right, we'll go around one by one and just say who we are, where we've worked and why we're here. <laughs> right. And, um, and it's a little bit of an Ocean's Eleven sort yeah, of moment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the fish specialist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, exactly. It is one of, one of those things. And you also, you came out pretty strong out of the gate with Maud. Like, I mean, you have a, the concept, the format there is yeah. not like, okay, it's just your uh, neighborhood restaurant. There's an interesting format to Maud. Yeah, it's, um, so it's, we started off, it was one ingredient a month. Right. And we do a 10 course degustation out of that one ingredient. And, you know, I thought to myself, if I'm going to do it, I want something that holds me there. 
you know, because it's very easy doing what we do for a living, which is a little bit of this and a little bit of that, to get distracted with a little bit of this and a little bit of that mm. and never be in your restaurant. Right. And I've seen that happen a lot to people. Sure. You know, not necessarily by choice either. So I sort of – I wanted a concept that you couldn't just put down. Um, and, you know, I find that it, it's sort of – we love the creative part, but it's hard to find the time for it. So I thought if I lock it in in the format so I have to change it each month – there's no choice, you know, like you, you literally you have to change it each month and right. you're going to have to find the time to do it. So that was sort of the idea behind nice. it. Nice. It's I, almost a, 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 a mechanism to, right. to make sure that you're, you're keeping on top of it. We call it forced creativity. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Contradiction of terms. But it is, you know. Is, like, it, is that the format that's still up or have you guys moved away cha- from it? We change on okay. Tuesday actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we've had four years of it and we sort of, you know, four years in, we're at like the 54th ingredient and we're looking yeah. at it going, well, God, you know, what are we going to do? <laughs> right. A persimmon menu? Or and then right. you're, the yes. return of fennel. Right. Like yeah. you, have to, yeah. you have to kind of have this Bring part, part two. Yeah. Um, so we've, uh, we've changed it now that the menus will revolve around wine regions so we kick off with Rioja right it's the first region I took the team over there so we sort of went and drank some wines and just sort of explored nice food benefit nice the, benefit right, right there yeah. right. a little R&D trip um, and we looked at uh, you know the architecture and the music and the culture and the attitude of the people and try and sort of somehow mm. You know, work that into so it's not going to be like a strictly Spanish menu or Rioja. It's not going to be typical cuisine, but you know those influences and some ingredients. We snuck some sausage back in our bag, and you know we'll. we'll there you <laughs> go. Now, do you have to? This is going to be weird, but do you have to do any of that? It's. I mean, that's a lot of work. Like, right, the create yeah. creative process, like taking your team outside of the restaurant. Um, you know, making the menu each month. Mm. Um, does any of that work also translate to your television work? Meaning, like, do you work? I mean, it, it's still work. You know, a lot of people also right. think the television thing is easy. Yeah. Uh, not, not really. I mean, you know, not when someone's in your ear, or you're reading a teleprompter, whatever it is, you can sit on the other side of the television screen and say, oh, that's easy. Right. That's a dream job. But there's work that goes into it. Do you or have you, you know, worked at it sort of like with a chef sort of mentality on the, on the television side or are you just go in there and, and let it rip and, and have never had to, like, try in the television space? Um. God, I've done so many different things in television. The first show I ever did was just a dream. It was called Surfing the Menu. Yes. And we traveled Australia and we cooked and we ate and we surfed and we met food producers and there was no TV work to do. It was just that they were following us with some cameras. You know, it was me and another guy, Ben. Ben How how did it come about then? Like just We got pitched this idea. Well, I mean we I think I was working in the UK. And someone from the BBC called me and said, we're doing a, an Australia Day thing and we want two Aussies to come and cook hangover food because you guys are known as big drinkers. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's true. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. and, and so I met Ben O'Donoghue. That was the first time I met him. And I think I made some poached eggs and wild mushrooms and he did a Bloody Mary. And we did this little fun segment and we were like, he's a funny dude. And we, sort of, we got along pretty well. So and there's then, a boy band mentality to this, right? Thing, right? Is that yeah. how you kind of got thrown together? Yeah, produced. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, so this producer saw it and said, "You know, God, that'd be a good show." And she'd had this idea in Australia. Quite often, you go somewhere, right, and the surf's up. It's a really good break, a good swell. And, you know, you call a plumber, no plumber's available. You go to a cafe and they're like, the, the chef's gone <laughs> right, out for a surf, right. you know, and he hasn't, yeah. been, he hasn't come back yet. So it's a bit of a slow start to service. So <laughs> she'd had an experience like that. So she had this idea of like a surfing chef. And then she saw that segment. And she was like, these two guys would be perfect. So she rang and she said, can you surf? 
Um, and I was like, well, you know, why? And she said, well, I've got this idea for a show and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course I can see it. And I couldn't. <laughs> right? it, was a, nice. it was total garbage. That's but, perfect, no though. Right? Yeah. That's one of the keys to success is to just roll just with it. Yeah. it. Yeah. Right? And it turned into the funniest part of the show that Ben was a good surfer and I was bloody hopeless <laughs> and would keep hurting myself in the water. So. Now you're surfing, no. though, right? Or no? Yeah, because you look of, pretty tan and I've, you look like a surfer. Like you I've got a surfing sort of vibe going on right now. Now you're in. <laughs> well, we've got two young kids, so I haven't been in the water for a while. But okay. I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I am a surfer now. Right. There you go. And that was the first, and then that just kickstarted the whole thing. That was the first thing I ever did. So it's like you know what a dream job. We did four seasons of it. We traveled. Uh, we literally went around Australia four different times for this show, and then. Uh, you know, you, I, you you think you're an expert, expert because you but what you're not really doing anything. You know, and then you get on a show like Top Chef or something right. like that, where you actually have to remember a script or listen to a tally, listen to a um a little voice in your ear and sure. sort of regurgitate their words um to camera and look somewhat interested while you're doing it, not like you're thinking too much. Um, so I found that kind of difficult. Right. You know, um, in the beginning. In the beginning. Right. But then you get more used to it. It's like anything, you know. It's like mm. I always use the golf analogy. You don't hit a ball straight down the fairway on your first swing. You know, it takes, <laughs> right. you, it takes you a few But swings. you were game for the process. Right. Because, right. I mean, there are a lot of uh, friends that we have that I know are like you throw their earpiece yeah. away or get disgruntled about it. Like you were – like you, you work with your production team as you would your cooks in the kitchen. Right. Right. Yep. yep. I love it. And what's uh, so? What's the next uh, right now? Uh, Top Chef Juniors. Top Chef Juniors just got picked up. Just got like picked up. I mean, like a, an episode in or something. Yeah, like, like, no, like yeah. I mean, they One didn't even wait. Right. Usually, yeah. there's a little wait. It, it must great. have been the episode you were there for. I think. It, well, <laughs> right. I was so in the well. first episode. You You're were. right. Yeah. So, Damn. like, I think that Thanks, that was mate. that was definitely <laughs> the key to getting yeah. it picked up again. Um, what are like now that you've you've hosted a, 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 a bunch of shows? As a matter of fact, we were going to play a game that was. I was going to ask you. The game is: Have you hosted this show? And we were just going to rattle off all the shows that you hosted which would have been pretty good because uh, it is an impressive list I'm super jealous um, I've, I've never had a big hit though my wife laughs she goes you know so many of your shows fail but they keep hiring you it's amazing because well, <laughs> no, she's an actress and like yeah. she's like as an actor if yeah. you kept failing we, we wouldn't get hired anymore so she thinks it's pretty impressive that I still get hired even though my shows well it is I mean it is impressive because your work is good and uh, yeah it's not the show it's not the it's not the talent some of the times it's the show right that's what I say um, <laughs> bloody but, producers so, but juniors that's the first time now that you're you're well, wor- the, we're, we're working with kids well that's what they say never work with uh, kids or animals right right so we what do both. you think and you have uh, <laughs> that's right that's right so how how is the experience I mean again only having been on set a couple of days and I've done some other kids shows on other networks but it's 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 a different game. It is. It's fun. You know, as a, I'm a dad, right? So yeah. I've got two boys and one six and one three. So I don't think I would have found it as interesting had I not been a parent. But now that you are, you sort of you watch these kids and you really hope the best for them, you know, and you want them to do really well. And it's I, I probably walked into it a bit more skeptical than I should have because I sort of walked in thinking, you know, who are these kids for real? Like, are, are right. they, do they just want to be famous? Are they have they got a stage parent back right. there somewhere sure. that's have popping them up? You know, right? right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, is it a real interest? Would they be just as happy on a singing show? Um, but what I learned really quickly was these kids they absolutely love it. Oh, you yeah. know, like they go to sleep holding on to their French laundry cookbook it's it's quite remarkable that is is it it's remarkable it's also in a good way a little scary right, right. like like yeah. what what have we created in a way yeah. right is is it is it all good is there is there any negative to like the exposure of of food on television or the saturation of the 
the food competition space? Look, I think it's brought it's shone a huge light on our industry. And let's face it, our industry wasn't going well. It was dying. Right. You know, like there was less and less people interested in it. It's bloody hard work. There was no glory in it whatsoever. It wasn't sexy in any way. And we were struggling, you know, like I think mm-hmm. the quality of food was deteriorating. And, and what the um, the phenomenon of TV on uh, – f- food on TV has done is, is it's it's brought a lot of people to our industry. Now, a lot of those people probably shouldn't be drawn to our industry. <laughs> right. You know, they come thinking they're going to be the next star on Top Chef or whatever right. it is. And they right. um, they come along and, you know, like they're, they're three months into their apprenticeship or we don't even call it that anymore. But they're three right. months into their job and they're like, you know, when does the fame and the glory right. and where do I get my tattoos done? And, and you know, right. like, you know, like that's not how it works. You've right. got to learn to how to Now, is that though just because like we're, the, we're, we're around the same age? Is that just because like we're old? <laughs> and it's like <laughs> this is what like our – like our, you know, the seniors of our class were saying in my day, it was like right. this, and there were no television. Um, yeah, is probably. there anything? Is there anything that is good with the sort of the personalized branding? Like, um, I hear what you're saying, especially with cooks, it is challenging because, like, you pay your dues, you work in a kitchen for ten years, whatever it is, right. five at a minimum, right after school. Um, but it's also a moment where anyone can walk into a kitchen or go on a television show and create a brand and and change their life, right? In, in a, you know, a couple of days or a couple of weeks. Yeah, look, I think it's um, there's so many people. I was with Roy Troy yesterday, and we're Oh, I'm such a name dropper. Aren't I? No, I love it though. Roy Choi, I don't think is uh, doing media. We were told for the podcast. So if you can send him a text, oh, yeah? like, we'd yeah. love to get him on the on the podcast. I'll shoot him. I'll shoot yeah, him yeah. for you. <laughs> he, um, it, it, I was talking to him about it, and he's like, I didn't really know his background so well. And I asked him, and he said, uh, you know, I I was a hotel cook. I was never like super ambitious from. Yeah, I was happy with the security of working in a hotel and right. getting insurance and all the rest of it. And then uh, one day he just decided to do this. Well, a buddy of his called him up and said, you know, you should do a Korean taco. And he's like, that sounds stupid. You know? <laughs> right, right. So anyway, they did it. And you sort of he, – he got so obsessed with this one recipe that mm-hmm. he just got like crazy about it. And, you know, with 1500 bucks, he bought a truck. Right. Him and his mate, like, of course, you don't buy a truck for 1500 bucks. rented a truck. Yeah. Yeah. And they'd pull up at nightclubs and they'd feed people that were rolling out of a nightclub at 2 o'clock in the morning. And that's – his story, you know, and he's like, within three months, we'd pull up in a bloody car park, a parking lot at Target, and there'd be 2,000 people waiting for us to get there. And <laughs> yeah, right. It was like going to Coachella. And he's like, <laughs> it's really fascinating that that is a real possibility, right? Like right. that's someone can just come up with a great recipe or a great idea. Um, and whether it's through a shop or a truck or whatever, you can literally become um, super well known for it and, and, you know, establish a really sp- – thriving business out of it and to me that's the beautiful thing about our industry it's everything from a taco to a three-star michelin you know multi-course degustation experience it's it's everything you know and that's that's a cool part i feel like that's the like when you have the 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 younger cooks or the newer cooks who you know they have that three-month plan like this is all going to happen over the summer (laughs) right and then in the fall i'm going to be super successful or famous it's almost like they have just let us know that that's your intention because then we also can help you get there, right? Because if, right. You, if you do know that you have a staff member and they're doing prep and that's their job, but their ultimate goal is to uh, you host a television show or even get on a television show or win something or open up a food truck, at least if you tell us 
your honest goals. We yeah. could probably help you get there. You're so right. Right? It's so true. But it's also – I'd rather them not be afraid to say it because it, we are in that moment where like, you know – Hey, look at the Roy Choi story you're just telling. Like that just happens. Like he didn't he didn't want that. I mean, he wanted it to be successful, but he wasn't imagining right. that it was going to change his world. Yeah. No. Uh, and not that, at all. that coupled with social media just sort of uh launched it. Yeah. Uh, taking a quick little break here and here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of a coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage and you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range weird right well here's another tip you also might not know about true car also helps people get used cars that's right true car isn't just for buying new cars with their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience whether you buy new or used and with true car users can see what others paid so you know if they're getting a good deal before buying they're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with true car certified dealers when you're ready to buy a new or used car check out true car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience some of these features are not available in all states I'm Spencer Pratt. And I'm Heidi Pratt with Gunner Pratt. The Miracle Baby. And this is the Hashtag Make Spidey Famous Again podcast. On podcast one. We will be discussing the hottest action to ever hit the multiverse. Crystals, espresso, hummingbirds, celebrity gossip. Parenting. Of course. (laughs) Make sure to download new episodes every Wednesday on podcastone.com, the Podcast One app, and Apple Podcasts. Yeah, and make sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And keep your hate on somebody else's podcast review. Thank you. You're listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Speaking of social media, where where are you on? uh, I mean, you have a pretty good presence, right? What's or what is your? (laughs) (laughs) Let let me check it out. Uh, It's right up on your phone. So yeah, you're you're obviously uh, pretty pretty dialed in. Instagram. I'm on. uh, I'm on Instagram. I use Instagram more than anything else because it's. um, so easy, right? Also, like, I mean, I mean, you have a team, I'm assuming, but um, do you, are you handling all of your networks? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got an assistant who gives me a hand with it. Okay. Um, I do most of it myself, actually. Right. Yeah, I think it's nicer when it comes from you. Do you do? Does it? Do you spend time on it, or is it just sort of? Um, uh, hey, it's. I know it's a marketing tool. Yeah. This is more me, like getting. Uh, uh, I'm having sort of a confessional with you because, like, I'm spending a lot of time lately on social, Are you? just yeah. trying to figure it out. Because, right. like, what is it actually? Like, what is it doing? You I'm know, outside to... of here's a picture of a dish. Yeah. Come to my restaurant. What is it actually doing? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's a funny thing, isn't it? It's sort of it's come from nowhere, and uh, I don't spend too much time on it. Like, right. A little. That's sort of. It's like a, occasionally I'll think right because I think of it more from a business perspective than a personal one sure to be fair and i'll think to myself right i better go and post and then like 10 minutes later you're sitting there looking at stuff and then someone calls you and you walk off and you're like shit i didn't even do it (laughs) right right (laughs) um so it can be a bit of a a bit of a time sucker but i mean it's i kind of like it it i hate saying it out loud but it's kind of like it's takes away from the time that you used to read a magazine or pick up a book oh, sure. um, which is a bummer I, you know because I love that industry and I don't want books and magazines to disappear but um, 
it's sort of it's kind of like well, especially a, as a cook. Like, yeah. I mean, I have a decent cookbook collection, and like, I'm sure you do as well. And like, there was something about getting a book that you could hold, and then like that book would go through the kitchen, and every cook would borrow it for a couple of days. It was like old CDs and right. music, and now right. it's like uh, that, that. There's almost like that. That's gone. Like that. That culture is gone because you can just jump on your phone and look at any recipe. Right. You uh, see what other chefs are up to, and what are they doing, and trying, and playing around with, and that part of it's fun, but. Yeah, it's it's a shame. Do you? I mean, now we've come to the point where there's a lot of these apps that are. Um, it's an app to tell you to not be on your phone, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It's, you it's, it's a meditation yeah. app to be like, hey, you know, you should spend the next four hours you uh, with your kids or uh, turn this off for a little bit. But I'm assuming also the restaurant, like for you, that's where you can turn off. Yeah, yeah, um, it's the great. That's a great part. I mean, it's it's a challenging part of doing business, right? Like you sort of, I think people are so used to everyone getting their emails in real time and you know they get right. a little annoyed if you don't answer it straight away but if you're in the kitchen until midnight you, you know you're not going to read the yeah. 30 emails that came to you that afternoon at the end of the night because you're exhausted so you sort of I quite often get up in the morning and and then that's my time with my kids in the morning so I don't want to do it right. then either you know so yeah. I'm I'm um in fairness not you're a day and a half getting, back on emails then. I am I'm slow <laughs> I am yeah. all right so um you're heading off to your restaurant later later today, right? Yeah, yeah. And then when are you guys when are you guys back on set for uh, for juniors? Um, I think it's the end of Feb. Okay, so are you coming to play? Are you coming back on? I, I mean, no one's. In, I mean, I'll, I'll take that as an official invite. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah definitely. I, I enjoyed it. I again, I was like you, blown away with the talent that was on that show. And what I also love is when you do, uh, um, then those kids find you on social media, right? <laughs> yes. And like, I think it was one of the contestants that reached out to us on yeah, Juniors. It was, yeah. I think Milo. Milo, Milo. Yeah, Milo. Yeah, Milo. Yeah, who's like, and then like we went to his Instagram page. And he's like doing pop-ups. Right. He's like, book, no. book me for private dinners or something. And it's like, like you know, for booking information. Come and on. I'm, no, yeah. I'm serious. And Good I'm like, wow. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so, it, I mean, that, that, that's just fascinating to me. And again, there is the side of it. I'm a, about to actually uh, – so our nine-year-old, I'm about to cook with her on a show. Yeah. In an episode of a show. Unreal. And yeah. I'm really nervous. Well, unreal because for, our nine-year-old doesn't cook. She doesn't oh, really? cook she's, a lot. I mean, she's she, the one that you thought we, was going to show up. She's yeah, yeah. like, what is this? Yeah. yeah. She, I mean, she, she knows about food, but, um, yeah. you know, she doesn't cook every day. So, like, you know, who yeah. knows what's going to happen. She's right. not flipping but, through the French laundry cookbook exactly but i'm always worried about um like when you know it's emotional like i remember that that first episode like i mean half the cast is crying judges included yeah right and it's like oh my gosh like uh you know you need a support system behind it because the last thing you want is also just a kid to have like a traumatic experience because they got sent home on a show or whatever is that the most difficult part um look i think Kids have a, an interesting demeanor, you know, like the thing that I really noticed is when we'd give them feedback, they just sit there or stand there and nod and take it in and take it as like you were helping them. Right. We're on normal Top Chef. Mm. We give some critiques and they look at you like they want to poke your eyes out, yes. like yeah, you don't yeah. know what you're talking about, right? Which is maybe they're right sometimes, but... Um, why do we have... Why, I mean, this is like... Where does the when does, where the does the ego, ego grow? Come from? No, yeah. because like I mean, I think like for I, I mean, I'm saying this knowing that I've definitely had a massive ego at one point in my life, and like I think like shows like Top Chef or competing on television actually helped me like yep. overcome. It's like okay, well there it is, pop that bubble. You know, you're not the best thing in the world that's ever happened. Uh, where does that ego come for chefs? Why? Because I feel like listen, athletes lose all the time. The best athlete is losing a lot, right? But you don't see too many athletes on a, just a normal game where they lost. 
have that ego. Right, get so angry. Well, what about is it, it about chefs in that? And and any is it? I've been trying to know. figure this out. You know, I'm not sure. Right. It's a challenge. Like, why, why, why are we so weird? <laughs> um, God, I don't know. I think it is because a, for a lot of us, like we sort of came from nothing, and it's like it's all we have. Yeah. And there's like in our souls and minds, it's just there's so much into it. It's everything we're all about. And like when someone critiques the doneness of a steak that we cooked or says something wasn't seasoned, it's like it's truly like hurting our soul where I think athletes are trained to lose you know they're trained right. to deal with, with, with failure that's just my take on it I mean I, I don't know I've spoken to artists about the same thing okay because you, you don't think they have egos at all right artists <laughs> right. <laughs> right right. but they do actually like I, I feel like as a chef I'm never really happy with my work mm-hmm. I'm never really happy with it even when people say it's great or it's this or it's that I think, yeah, I could have done this differently or that could truly, have been better. Truly, truly. You know? And I think artists are a bit the same way from what I've – what you know, the, mm. the few that I've gotten to know. Um, they seem – you know, quite often they'll paint back over their canvases, you know, right. they right. get back over their work. Yeah. And I'm like, God, it's exactly like what do we you, do in the Do kitchen. you – when you um, – you're a perfectionist. So when you have those moments with your team in the kitchen, do you reveal those like mild little flaws that are not – bad enough to send a dish back but that are like hey this is one percent off in this one area this isn't whatever that is or because i think that's too sometimes that's where you can almost help train the ego right hey no this is really good but this is one percent off or here or whatever that is how does feedback how does feedback work in your kitchen we're super collaborative okay yeah so we'll sort of i'll do a dish and i'll give it to them and say how would you improve it how would you fix it what would you do you know and listen and then try some of their ideas and modify the dish and i think it's always um you can't get too crazy with it where you sort of like i'll do a sauce and you make the pasta and you know because right. it's sort of you need the vision 100 percent. but then once you've created it i think it is good to sort of then tweak and think about it again and you know come back the next day try a different sauce with it or um yes yeah, so i'm always we talk a lot yeah i think with the kids it's just it's 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 school i think right. it also helps yeah. them that they're yeah. school age and they're resilient and mm. Yeah. You know, criticism is like going to school, and they are—they're much more resilient than the adults. That's what Absolutely. we're saying. You know, yeah. the first time you have a bad moment with your own kid, you put—they're in trouble for something, or they do something wrong, and you have to like tell them, and then there's crying and whatever, and you go to bed heartbroken mm-hmm. about it. And you wake up in the morning and you think, God, is it going to be okay? <laughs> they couldn't care. They can't even remember it. No, you know? yeah. This is so They're true. Skipping along. And I think kids fine. are this, like, even with the eliminations, we'd sort of see them and you'd be like, oh, God, they're going to be so upset. And they would be for a heartbeat. But then, you know, in five minutes, they're, they're skipping around again and they're fine. That's yeah. Where, where are your kids at right now? What are they into? What are some of the... Uh Hudson's just learnt to ride his bike without his training wheels. Yes, there you go. Yes, like six and three. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a bit late. He's, I sure. No, no, no. no. Our slow. oldest was like older, older than, than that. that. Oh, really? Yeah. I was feeling. <laughs> so now is it like bike all the time? We were uh, bike, we were bike, riding bike. around the lake. We live up in um, in Hollywood, and we're riding around the the reservoir up there. And there must have been six kids go past him that was all smaller than him. 
without training wheels and we're uh, you know motoring along with the training wheels and I was like yeah. oh my god I'm a bad dad you know so and I didn't say anything and we got back and he's like dad I think I'm ready to take my training That's wheels amazing. off so he must have we have the same the story same we yeah, have the much. same story it just happened to our daughter when she was like 8 or 7 <laughs> but it was like yeah. a, it was like take your bike to school dad yeah, yeah. and we're on training wheels did. no 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 she didn't bring a bike she brought a scooter and almost everyone else brought a bike with no training wheels she didn't mm. bring a bike because she didn't even really ride one then like but she's right. really good on a scooter. But yeah, nice. Uh, I feel so, like times have changed though with bikes. Like you, it has. We used yeah. to just ride them around, right? Even That's without true. our parents. Forever, but right? Oh never let your kids far. out. No, yeah. for like right. we just leave yeah. for the day. I mean, this was uh, in another podcast I was listening to where it's we used to just leave yeah. and come back when it's dark. Right. It's like you're going to work. No Being helmet. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember like being in some dangerous situations, like on a bicycle, like crossing like busy streets with like no helmet as like a sixth grader or something. Uh, different times for sure. Um, listen, Curtis Stone, thank you so much for hanging out with us. You At the too, end of the show, we play a game or two. Yeah. Are you okay to have a little oh, fun? Yeah, come on. This is going to be uh, this is an Aussie Aussie edition. Is that is that going to work for Let's you? Do Pretty it. simple. I'm sure you've dealt with questions. This game is called Scarf or Barf. Oh. So this is Scarf or Barf. Barf. Aussie edition. Uh, these are all sort of like iconic Australian foods. Uh-huh. And you're going to tell us if you scarf it, gobble it up, or barf, you can't stand it. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to start with the easy one. One of my favorite sort of uh, iconic Australian ingredients. You know where I'm going. Vegemite. Vegemite. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Um, I love it. I scarf that. Yes. Now, oh, yeah. on, just on toast, like the... Lots of the, butter. The toast has to be hot. Oh, lots, okay. lots okay, of break butter this down for us. and not too much Vegemite. All right, okay. and it's like it's just so good. Do, yes. kids, do your kids eat it? They do. Nice. Yeah, but good. my wife good. hates it. Yeah. Really? Oh, oh well, I like that. Look at that. Okay. She, she won't even kiss me after I have a <laughs> muffin. Nice. Um, a little swirl, a little swirl into some sauce with the Vegemite. What are some other? Uh, if, if I find myself competing in some like mystery box challenge with Vegemite, what's yeah. a, outside of the uh, traditional toast, what's a good use for it? My mum sticks a bit in the gravy with yeah. the roast dinner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. where yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's a good use for it. Okay, this one I just found last night, but so I'm fascinated. I don't know how Australian it is, but it was on this list. Chicken salt. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, look at scarf. Okay. Uh-huh. Scarf it. Yes. Yeah. Now I'm. When I hear it, I think is it is it like salt with chicken powder, like chicken stock powder, basically. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And you put it on fries. You put it on fries. Um, fried chicken. Uh-huh. By the way. I'm doing this like tonight. Like, yeah. I'm sure it's not good for you. I'm sure there's some MSG <laughs> in there or something. All MSG, yeah. But right. it's uh, yeah, it's delicious. Chicken nice. salt. I kind of that's a new one for me. So thank you for just coming on. So that like, I how come that. there aren't like chicken salt fry stands? Just I don't know, but I'm gonna do like Fairfax. I'm gonna on that challenge that I'm gonna cook with Riley. I'm we're gonna end up doing some chicken salt fries, right, and we're gonna perfect. call it a la Stone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Uh, Got to do this one. Sorry to do it. The kangaroo. Oh, kangaroo I'd scarf it. Yeah, nice. It's good. What is really it? Good. What is, uh, you know, it tastes like chicken sort of scenario. What What is its uh, similarity? For some reason, I would think ostrich. Right. Well, but- it's an interesting meat because it's, um, there's so many different cuts of it. Like the tail mm. is mm. very much like an oxtail. So you can cook it slowly, braise Ooh. it, and it's delicious. Mm. I've like been out in the bush with yes. some Aboriginal guys who literally wrap it in foil with some you know bush spices mm-hmm. and throw it in the coals uh, and it falls off and it's great mm. um, and then the saddle is uh, is quite tender okay the legs as you can imagine are super fibrous it's like you know right. beef shoulder on steroids right okay um, so it's it's really tough because they do just do a crazy amount of work as you can as you can yeah. you know like they, tough like inedible or like just l- I mean, long it's and a slow breeze low slow cook right? yeah okay yeah. but the nice pie and stuff like that you can make out of it there you go uh I, this is one of my favorites, the uh, hamburger with beetroot. 
No. Oh, no. there we go. Fuck it. Bah. I'm glad. <laughs> okay. Yeah, what is? How do they work? Like, I've never had one. It's embarrassing. But how do they? It's is it sort of like a pickle beat that, that's like a topping for See, a burger? That sounds quite nice. That does right. Yeah. right. Yeah. But yeah. what they do is they take <laughs> a, a canned beet that's pre-sliced, even. Um, so it's a piece of canned beet and just stick it on. A burger, so it's oh, kind of, yeah. It's like you know, to me, burgers all about ratio, right? You know, yeah. you can't have too big a patty. You know, the actual burger needs to be small enough. The bread needs to yeah. be. Yeah, are you a thin patty yeah. or, a, or a thick patty guy? I'm it, more of a thin patty guy. Yeah, me too. More yeah. Maillard reaction, more yeah. surface area. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last one that's totally sort of ridiculous, probably and very obvious, crocodile. I haven't eaten a lot of crocodile. It's 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 good. I would gator. I would say. I'm assuming. Yeah, it tastes like yeah. gator, right? Yeah. I mean, okay. It's a bit like veal. Chicken-y. Yeah. Oh, yeah. veal. Well, veal yeah. makes it sound like I might want to try it. Yeah. All right. It's there not we bad. go. It's not so bad. scarf or bark? Scarf. Nice. Uh, fairy bread. Oh, buff. Yeah. Oh, gross. <laughs> so bad. My wife came to Australia the first time, and we went to a barbecue. Well, actually, we call it a sausage sizzle, which she thought was just so funny. <laughs> yes. And yes. We, we went to this sausage sizzle, and uh. it was a kid's party. And, you know, it's literally sausages in bread with butter and uh, sauce. Ketchup. Right. Yeah. And she looked at it, and then, and then they brought out the fairy bread, which is a piece of white bread, like Wonder White, butter, and then sprinkles, like... You know, the hundreds and thousands. I got to try it. I'm going to say if you had girls... You would probably be scarfing. This. Yeah, oh yeah. Like the you know, like bla- if your the children, bl- like the Blaze girls, will be eating fairy bread that, yeah. in your honor <laughs> at least once this they're, weekend. They're going to be mad that even exists and they didn't know about it didn't before about now. It. Exactly. Yeah. Should have ended on fairy bread. But what about wheat bix? Um, in a pinch. In know? a pinch. Okay. I'd say, yeah, the I'd fiber fiber laden cereal. Okay. Yeah, and then this one, which seems actually like uh, maybe the most, you might even have it on a menu. Lamingtons. Lamingtons. Oh yeah, they're good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we saw them at the butcher shop at Gwen. I was going to say. Yeah. Okay, and that it's a pastry, right? It's a yeah. coconut and chocolate sort of jam filled pastry. Yep, it's like a sponge cake almost, and then you uh, dip it in chocolate, roll it in uh, in coconut, but then you cut it in half and stick. Uh, like a raspberry jam in the center. Got it. Hey, listen, everyone, if you end up being on some television show and Curtis Stone is hosting or judging it, don't make the fairy bread uh, or the hamburger with beetroot if you have to do some Aussie-themed dish. Chef, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Pleasure, Uh, Absolute. Thanks uh, for having me. 86. Oh, shoot, I forgot something. Yeah, this is a big one. We always do every... uh, At the end of the show, we do something called 86. It's 86. One thing in the world that you want 86. It could be serious, not. It could be in the food world. Um, whatever you'd like to 86. Oh, goodness. Um, so I'm so easy going. There's nothing I want at 86. Like, you're like something. me. It's a t- it is it's a tough, tough question. We've had answers have ranged from, you know, serious political ones to like Caesar salad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought you meant something in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it yeah, could yeah, be whatever exactly. you want. Yeah. I don't like wearing gloves. In the Ooh, kitchen. Yeah. Okay, I like that. And also an original one. About 86 yeah, gloves. Yeah. 86 gloves. I'm with you <laughs> on that. Yeah. Like, clean your hands. Clean Keep your, your hands, hands clean. Yeah. Wash them several times. Every yeah. time you change yeah. jobs, you have to wash your hands. Yeah. I, I don't kind of understand what they do either because you put the gloves on and they're supposed to, like. Magic. Um, you, you know, it, it, it gives you this false sense of my hands are clean. Right. This is true. Right? Yeah. But then you do a job, your hands aren't clean anymore. So you mm-hmm. still got to wash them or take the gloves off and replace them. And I'm just I like, know. why don't you just wash them? It is. I it's agree true. with you. That's a really good one. Uh, like Curtis Stone, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Listen, everyone, head on over to Podcast One or Apple Podcasts. Uh, do us a favor and hit subscribe. Uh, spend an extra 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and write a review. Let us know how we're doing. We're at five stars. Um, and uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, stay hungry. 
Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. Podcast One has new shows on our new app. Check out all the cool features to help you explore our exciting new programming, like America's Lakers podcast with Jay Moore, So Random with Corinne Olympios, Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast, Not Just Sports with Susie Schuster and Rich Eisen, and Sessions with Randy Jackson, as well as your old favorites like The Lady Gang, Steve Austin, Shaquille O'Neal, and Adam Carolla. Get the new Podcast One app in the App Store, Google Play, or PodcastOne.com.